If it smells like there's an onion in the room, it's because there's an onion in the room. We're going through a series called Move, moving from outsider to insider, hurting to healing, sitting to serving, serving to leading, leading to multiplying. I hope by the end of this, y'all will know all of those key movements in the Christian life that keep us growing. This morning, we're talking about moving from hurting to healing. Now think about it. Would God, the all-powerful God who made everything, save your life for the future and leave your present alone? Would he save you for a different future? Would he, would he, would you, would he take you onto a different road behind the wheel and lead, leave the way you're driving the same way it used to be, right? Would he, would he turn you from that road to this road and say, just drive any way you want to? See, I, I think we're, we are like onions. And so if something is happening on one layer, it's, it's happening on another and another and another. And so if there's some unfinished business that you and I have, it's going to be in every layer of life. And so this morning, thinking about moving from hurting to healing is to recognize that, that, that you're, you're a part of something bigger, that these gears behind me, that the movement of your life affects the people around you, even if it's happening at a deeper layer. We're going to look at a miracle this morning, and the, the great miracle of life is that God can change the human heart. That's the great miracle of life. So whatever happens on the page as I read this, recognize there, you, you already have experienced, I hope, that if, if, if you have trusted Christ and you've seen at some level of your life, any layer in here, some measure of change, that your heart has changed, the, the incredible thing is that God is able to change the human heart. Even the hardest of hearts can change. But what I, what I think we need to be driving at this morning is that that change is not an event that happened back there when you made a first-time commitment to Christ. Changing the heart is something that happens all life through, and at every layer, it affects us. And so if we're to understand what's going on in our world and in our community and in us, we have to understand that God hasn't finished with us yet and that even the unfinished business that's going on in us, yes, 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 it will have an effect on the people around us. We're going through the book of Acts, so it's no accident It's no accident that these movements would press us into action this morning, understanding what it means to move from hurting to healing, that the hardest of hearts can change and the hardest places of your heart can continue to change. From the Word of God, Acts chapter 3, it's a longer passage this morning. Let's get started. 
Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which would be 3 p.m. for us. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms or to ask for handouts of those emerging or entering into the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The story goes on. While he, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. So now there's a big gathering, and Peter is going to, going to talk to them about some important things. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. May God bless us this morning. Through this, his holy word, let us pray. Father, bless us now to receive your word fully into our hearts, into our minds, into our souls, and into our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. I was uh, riding down the road, and I uh, was trying to listen to a prairie home companion, no longer uh, uh, hosted by Garrison Keeler, but I was, I was listening to it, and Garrison was on, and I, it was sort of that in-between deal where you're, you're, you don't have the full frequency. You're not quite on the station, right? It's sort of, you know, uh, welcome to a companion, and it's, Mildred will be with, uh, you know, you're, you're having this, and, and it's sort of something else is coming in. There's a lot of static in the background, and, and, and then you come around a curve, and then all of a sudden, there's, there's the clarity, and, and, and the voice is clear. 
There has been a, it's kind of like right now. There, there has, <laughs> there has, <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so much fun. Being able to hear a voice like Martin Luther King, being able to hear a voice like Nelson Mandela, being able to tune in to the frequency of Mother Teresa can be very difficult when there are so many other voices pulling us this way and that way. There's so much static out there, is there not? Getting on the right frequency. When there's so much unrest and there's so much division, we can look back and we can look at the words of, of somebody like a Martin Luther King Jr. And we can see now, we can see now that he was helping our nation to heal. You can look back now and you can see this crazy woman, this four-foot-nothing woman, Mother Teresa, who was doing weird things like picking people out of the gutter, out of the sewage, and caring for them. And you can see now how she was on a different kind of frequency than everybody else. And the thing I think that's impressed upon us this morning is that if we're not tuned into that frequency, we can't hear those voices. We don't know what direction to go. If there's something wrong at some layer of our human heart, if we're hard to what's really real and really going on, then, then it's going to be difficult for us to listen to the right voices and head in the right direction. Here's, here's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. You see, here's what Chesterton, here's how Chesterton put it. He said, he said, in answer to a question that was in the Saturday Evening Post, Saturday Evening Post asked this question in, in, in that time and, and era around the 1900s, early 1900s. The question was this, what is wrong with the world today? What is wrong with the world today? And there were answers that, that they wanted to know, what's the best answer? What's the answer to the question? What is wrong with the world today? And the one that they published in answer to the question that got everybody's attention was this. What is wrong with the world today? Dear sir, comma, I am, period, G.K. Chesterton. That mindset that we're not finished moving from hurting to healing, that mindset that that understands that, that there's a life change and it's a, and it's a lifetime life change. That mindset helps us get on the right frequency, listen to the right voices, head in the right direction. And so this morning, let's consider this passage. As people who are works in progress, invited to come as we are, but without expecting to be left that way. That's the whole sermon. Now I want you to repeat that. I don't do this very often, but... Repeat this after me. I'm a work in progress, invited to come as I am, 
without expecting to be left that way. All right, there are a lot of you who did not participate. So I want you to get it in your head because this is where we're going. I'm a work in progress, invited to come as I am, without expecting to be left that way. All right, let's go. All right, I'm a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. Here we go. You can stop repeating. I'm just moving forward. It's fine. No, you're starting to be very obedient. I appreciate that. I'm going to take Tim to lunch. I'm going to take Tim to dinner. I'm a work in progress. We all know that we've been justified on the cross. I hope we do. That's a one time. It's, it's, it's something that happened back there. You're justified. There should be no question that if you trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. So you're already secure in terms of your salvation. But think about getting on. God has called you onto a new road. Do you think he's just going to say drive however you want? That's the, 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 the 50 cent words for this are justification, right? Justification. Jesus did what we could not do, right? But there's another word called sanctification. He continues to do it. He continues to do it in your life in these different layers. Sanctification is just a fancy way of saying you're set apart. You're being set apart. More and more the layers of your life are being set apart for God's great purposes. He's not finished with you yet. You're a work in progress. I've told you this before that uh, a fella that I know uh, named Wayne Schizero, he, he confessed, he said, you know, for, I was a pastor for 22 years and I thought I was a 22-year-old Christian, but I realized I was a one-year-old Christian and I had been a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Can you get your mind around that? What happens in this story of this miracle is that we're dealing with something that's too big for us to recognize that what, 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 what we're experiencing when we're experiencing a change of heart is we're experiencing something supernatural, something miraculous. God disrupts your life in order to make things better. Sometimes he disrupts life with a crisis, with a problem, with a difficulty. Sometimes God disrupts life with something great, something miraculous. He's disrupting a status quo. He's trying to get our attention. And Peter and John, they recognize that there's a status quo. They've gone to the temple to pray just as they normally would. They weren't even called Christians at this point in, in, in the life of the church. They were just entering back into the life of the, of the temple, right? And they're back there. They're at the hour of prayer in the afternoon at 3 p.m., and they're fitting back into the routine of life, but something is different about them. And they believed it. And they allowed God to use them to be a disrupting force. This case, a miracle. Now, let me say something about miracles. Tim, do you believe in miracles? Well, I don't know. We're here. <laughs> yeah. How about that? We pass by miracles every day. Well, I'm talking about where God works 
supernaturally, not naturally. Like, I mean, we don't know where everything came from, so, I mean, we can't say anything about it. Do you believe that God interrupts that he, 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 he does things different than we normally see day to day today? I think, I think the reason why we ask that question is that when we're not in church, if we're talking about it somewhere else, we might feel embarrassed about miracles. And we need to face that. That's what you think. That's what I think. We feel a little bit embarrassed, perhaps, that we believe in things, that these things are not just stories with, uh, that are parables for us to follow with some sort of deeper, hidden spiritual meaning, but that they actually happened. And so some, some churches, uh, let me just use this word. This is not a great word to use, but some churches that are sort of more conservative in their theology, conservative in the sense of... Um, uh, of, of dealing with this kind of incongruence between what we see and what we believe. Some churches will say this, that miracles ended with the apostolic age, that Jesus, God did something powerful and unique in, in Jesus, and he continued to do it until the church was up and running and there was enough momentum. Some, some people deal with this issue of miracles as if it were something that passed away in a certain time and place. When the canon was closed, when the church was up and running, then God started to, to do things differently. You know, it's funny how um, you know, Peter and John said, I, I don't have any silver or gold, but I do have something to give you, and here's what we... There are places in the world where you hear about miracles happening, and so often it's in the places where they don't have silver or gold to give. They have something else to give. They must depend. They must rely. There's a certain measure of faith that's different when there are not the material means to sustain life. But what I want to tell you this morning is, don't be distracted by all that. Don't be distracted by all that. Our perspective on what God is about and what is even the line between what's natural and supernatural, it's kind of like an ant trying to understand why we're here this morning. An ant gets together and says, what are, those, what, are those big, what are those people doing in that room right there? I mean, they cannot even begin to conceive. And so, yeah, we have to continue to recognize that what we're dealing with is a power that's bigger than us. What we're dealing with is the fact that we're here rather than not here. What we're dealing with is the fact that if your heart has been changed at all, touched at all, if God is able to affect change in the human heart, as, as Jesus said in another miracle story, he said, what's easier to do? What's easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk? He's being ironic. He's saying, it's far harder to change the human heart than anything else. The miracle is that the hardness of this heart can be softened in the least. The miracle is that God can continue to change your life. And so you're invited to come as you are because you are a work in progress and God knows right where you are in terms of how grace affects you. He knows just where you are. And so you're, you're not supposed to be at work trying to dress yourself up in, into a different kind of person before you come into this place. You're not supposed to try to go do a bunch of good things when you've done something bad and then, and then come to the... Come to the uh, uh, your prayer closet and say, oh, Lord, you know, I, I've, I did something bad, but I, I've done a lot of better things. No, God is saying, come as you are. 
You know, the other night I was, um, I was at this rally after what happened earlier, the, the shooting that happened earlier, and I was listening to the police chief, and I, I, I really appreciated that he was tuned into a frequency that I think we all need to be tuned into. And what I'm saying to you this morning is you cannot be tuned into the right frequency. You're just going to end up on a side of something unless you continue to recognize that there's a miracle at work in your life to continue to change your heart. And I was listening to this, and I thought, you know, what's, what's going on here is the, the, the frequency of a Martin Luther King or the frequency I heard the other night from some of the people who were speaking into the neighborhood that that where the shooting took place is. They were separating out the facts from people's feelings, and that was okay. They weren't providing judgment on the facts. They weren't, they weren't saying anything that would judge the facts that would offend the people of that neighborhood or offend the police department. They were saying, you know, the facts and the facts. Whatever happened, happened, and now what we're seeing is that there are feelings, there is... There is some unfinished business in our community, and it has been brought to the surface from what happened. And what I'm saying to you is that unfinished business, the dividing line between good and evil, goes through the human heart. Alexander Solzhenitsyn. The line between good and evil is not those people and these people The dividing line between good and evil goes through the human heart. And so it's it's unfinished business that each one of us is working on in order to affect the greater change in our community. And see, there's an opportunity for us to see that, to recognize that what's going on out there is a function of what's going on in here. And we don't want to believe it, and we want to say, you know what? what yeah, and look, I, I, this is where I'm going to bother some of you, okay? So be it. But you've got to hear this, because this is coming straight out of Scripture. What's going on out there is a function of what's going on in here. Every one of us has gotten used to a status quo and we're listening to a frequency. We're listening to one set of news facts or another set of news facts, and we're tuned into that frequency. And meanwhile, we don't recognize that we have put up with a status quo that does not look like the kingdom of God. Doesn't look like it. Is this the best that we can do in human community? I don't think so. And God is saying, where do we start? Well, he's saying, we start with each human heart to recognize we're works in progress, invited to come as we are, recognizing that he's not finished with us yet. Isn't it amazing that, that Peter recognizes himself in the people who crucified Jesus? He is so loving in the way he calls out the perpetrators of the crucifixion of Christ. He doesn't say, you people, can't believe I'm nothing like you. Now, he does put his finger right on them. He does say, this includes you, but he is saying it in such a powerfully loving way. Aren't you glad 
that when God looked down upon our plight, he didn't just say, oh, those people. Have you said that this past week? Those people. I got caught up in the middle of the protesters. And I was intimidated. There were about 50 of them, one of me. And I was thinking, some of these people are kind of big. Here I am with my little tie on. A little check shirt. And you know what? I stuck my hand out and said, my name's Tim. My name's Tim. What's your name? I didn't see anger. I didn't see anger. I saw hurt. I saw people hurting. The reasons, the facts, you may say, well, you know, these are the facts. Separate them. Next conversation you have where somebody's mad at you, you have to separate out the facts from the feelings. You have to start with people's feelings. What are people feeling? That's a different frequency. Some people are on the feelings frequency. Some people are on the facts frequency. Can we be with both? Can we be in a place where both really do matter? Can we allow ourselves to be in this place where Peter finds himself saying that these folks were afraid. They were afraid of a revolution. They were afraid of what Jesus was doing. They were afraid that the order of uh, the status quo was going to be so disrupted that, that they weren't going to be able to put everything back together again. And Peter's saying, I understand that fear. I understand where you're coming from. I've been there. He understands also the power of grace when we come as we are. See, that's the power of being invited to come as you are. It's the power of an invitation to let grace work on the places of your heart that have yet to be changed by grace. Do you know that the Alcoholics Anonymous book is one of the best-selling books in all his history? Over 30 million copies sold. Let me read to you the first two of the 12 steps of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. We admitted to ourselves that life had become unmanageable and that we were powerless to change it. We realized, number two, we realized that we needed a greater power to restore sanity. Isn't that where you are in your life, in the quiet places that have yet to be affected by the gospel of grace? Isn't that where we are in the status quo? Sometimes it's a quiet status quo and a peaceful status quo. And sometimes things happen that bubble up and we see what's really going on under the surface. That the status quo that we have, have gotten used to, that we have affirmed, that we have blessed, that we, is working for us, we realize isn't working the same way for everyone else. There's a system at your school. There's a system in your grade. There's a mindset in your grade. It may be working for you, and it's not working for other people. There's a system at work. There's a system in your neighborhood. There's a system in our town. There's a system in this nation that is working well for some people and not for other people. Can we, can we acknowledge that some of the inequity hurts people? At least it, that's the part that we can acknowledge. The reasons we can disagree on but we can at least 
come together there and have a Chesterton mindset that says, what's wrong with the world today? I am. Because the dividing line of evil goes through the human heart. So we're all invited to come as we are, and as Peter and John demonstrate, the reason why they have such confidence in that is because they were invited to come as they were. And the reason they have such confidence in that is because in in coming to the table of grace, their lives were changed, their hearts were changed, and so they had boldness and confidence to say, look, you folks, you are the worst of the worst, except for me. I mean, that's what Paul says. He says, I'm the chief of sinners. And see, he's, he's looking out at them, he's saying, he can speak to the people who put Jesus to death, and he can speak boldly because he knows that if God can change his heart, he can change their hearts. Come as you are. That's what's happening. When, when an alcoholic says, I'm done. I can't do this on my own. I cannot make this situation better. There's a problem that's too big for me, and I need grace. You see, even in principle, even in common grace, and that is to say, outside of, of the realm of Scripture and of your, own, of own, your own belief in following Jesus, even out there in the world, grace works. It's the way that God has wired the universe. It's the way that God is rewiring the human heart. And so finally this, look, we're, we're works in progress. It affects what's going on in here, affects what's going on out there. It does, it does. Got to admit that. Each one of us is invited to come as we are. What a beautiful, powerful illustration. Where do you see yourself in the story? Do you see yourself with Peter going, oh, yeah, you guys. Are you in the crowd of those who put Jesus to death? The reason why Peter could connect, the reason why the church exploded, the reason why it went from the, the center of Jerusalem and this, this, this sort of mamby-pamby, routine, uh, ordinary kind of lifestyle exploding around the world is because Peter could empathize with the people who put Jesus to death because he saw himself in them. Do you see yourself in the people across the aisle, the political spectrum? Do you see yourself in the people who are saying things that you disagree with but you know that they're just hurt? Do you see yourself across lines that are socioeconomic or racial? Do you see that the very invitation that changed your life is the invitation that we're being given to extend to other people. You see, finally this. We're invited to come as we are as long as we don't expect to be left that way. <laughs> okay? Now, see, y'all aren't laughing at that. Now, that's actually funny. Yeah, come on as you are. Come on in. Yeah, yeah, come as you are. I, okay, you came in a towel. Thank you very much. Don't expect to be left that way. All right? You came in full armor. Don't expect to be left that way. You came angry. Don't expect to be left that way. You came writing your own rules. Don't expect to be left that way. But come on in. You're not one of those. You're one of us. Remember years ago, there was a situation in in the youth program in Texas, and uh, this kid just kept slamming the door. Kept slamming the door and slamming the door. And father said to me, what, what do I do? I said, I don't know. My kids are like, they just came out. I mean, I, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, you're dealing with teenagers. No, you're supposed to be an expert in teenagers. You're a youth pastor. You're supposed to be an expert. 
I said, well, maybe take the door. I don't know, it's your door. <laughs> he went home, he said, he, he told me, he said, he said, the kid said, Dad, I'm just a door slammer. I'm just a door slammer. That's just who I am. <laughs> God made me that way, right? Okay, well, I'll take that door because it's my door. It belongs to me. Now, imagine that. I embellished a little bit in a couple places. Can you imagine? Hey, we're invited to come as we are. I'm just a door slammer. No, don't expect to be left that way. And by the way, don't extend that kind of cheap grace to me, right? Don't expect less of me than that the God of the universe who can change my heart for eternity is not still at work to change whatever is left to be changed. Don't give me that kind of affirmation without the expectation of transformation. Don't give to me this, this sort of weak grace that says, oh, yeah, you just got to use this just the way you are. Expect more of me and of yourself. I remember uh, putting on this conference many years ago in, uh, in, in Maryville. It was, uh, we, were, we were in uh, the Presbytery of East Tennessee, which is a group of churches in the PCUSA, the Mainline Presbyterian Church, and there were a bunch of people who really saw that as a Presbyterian conference, and I didn't. Because I thought, well, let's draw a circle around, uh, uh, around the population uh, that, that can drive to this conference, and let's think of them as our audience. Let's think of them as potentially coming to this. Why would we not think that way? And I learned that people said, well, we're, we're just fine the way we are. It's fine. You know, we'll probably have, maybe we'll have... You know, 61 and a half people show up to this thing, and, and that'll be okay. I mean, we had 59 and a half last year. And I said, well, I'm sorry. That's not good enough for me. That's a waste of my time. That's maintenance mode. That's maintenance mode. You see, our, here's this guy. He's sitting there. He's saying, can you give me something? He's got the cardboard sign. Right? And he's saying, Can you give me something? And Peter and John are saying, Is that all that you want? Is that all you want? Is that all you want? Is the status quo where you are right now, is that good enough? You're going to hold right there? Is that fine? Is that good enough? Is the way that we go back, you know, once the, the, the water's done sloshing around from from what happened, and, and, and things sort of settle out, and the surface is kind of clear and glassy again. Is that good enough? Because if there's something that's going on under the surface, even when it's calm on top, don't you think that events like this are a call to, to us to act the way Peter and John are acting in the book of Acts, to take this from Jerusalem to Judea into Samaria and to the ends of the earth? That the status quo would never be good enough. That our hope in heaven isn't just out there for us, some distant future, but that God is calling us onto a new road and he's going to help us drive on it. All the way, even now. So, you're a work in progress. Come as you are, but don't expect to be left that way. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how we thank you for your love for us and for the grace that isn't finished with us. And we pray that you would continue to change us from the inside out. That the, the dark places of heart would find light. That the hard places of the human heart, my heart, our hearts, would be soft 
Be tuned up to one another, tuned in to your grace, tuned into the frequency of the voices that are calling us, not to division, but to a better, stronger human community that reflects the kingdom of God in our midst. In Jesus' name.